0: Welcome back to Software Social. I'm Michelle Hansen. And I'm Colleen Schnettler. So what's going on, Colleen? I have so many things
1: I want to share today. Yeah. I Yes, yes. <laughs> I am super excited because I have finally finished my image management widget. I need a better name, by the way. Image <laughs> management widget is like the worst name. <laughs> I need something
0: snappy like cool image uploader. Anyway,
1: I'll work on that. <laughs>
0: Naming is one of the hardest parts, honestly, like naming and pricing.
1: So I have finally finished. What I ended up doing was, I think I was listening to a bootstrapper podcast years ago. And I remember the host said something about how he was like, well, you know, sometimes you need to just go to a hotel for four days and finish something. And that's entirely impractical for people, you know, who are responsible for spouses and children and other things like that. So I wasn't actually able to do that. But I did manage to block out like three solid days. And I got it done. Nice. So I'm super pumped about that. Yeah, I'm super pumped. Um, so that's exciting. So my next steps are, you know, kind of not kind of my next steps. My next step is getting it deployed. And I've already deployed an app in the heroku store before so i know
0: the process so hopefully that will not be too painful so when you say it's done is it the product itself is done or is also like the commercialization of it done in terms of making it something people can pay for and have accounts for and stuff like that what do you think
1: michelle I'm just asking. <laughs> I, it was funny you say that because I was literally thinking as I was finishing up, I was like, all right, so now the real work starts. <laughs> <laughs> right?" Like, this was like the fun work. Now I actually have to do the real work. Um, and my plan is to deploy it in the Heroku App Store. So there is some glue. I have to work with the Heroku API and things like that to make it available to customers. So my plan is to start using it for my own projects and my client projects immediately. And, um, you know, maybe after I've been using it, I think the way the Heroku App Store works is you have to put something in the App Store. And then, you know, you have to it has to be free. And you have to get like a lot of users, I forget how many, but you're just in this alpha stage. So um, that's, that's kind of my plan to kind of get it out there. But like, really, the hard work behind this now is, Documenting how to use it and figuring out how to use it for different use cases and all of that kind of stuff, um, which yeah, like I said, that's probably the real hard work, right?
0: <laughs> I mean, that's the work but, that never ends. Like so much of yeah. marketing is here is how you use this and here is when you would use it. And
1: I just I f- and I could be wrong, but I feel like I am uniquely equipped to handle that because I think a lot of developers who do things specific like this, especially something as technically. Uh, you know, unique, I guess, they don't really do a good job of making it easy to use. They're like, oh, here's this thing. But you also have to go get an AWS account and set up your own IAM account and you have to, you know, put it behind a CDN and you have to do all this other stuff. So, So I hope and I think that one thing I am good at is I'm really good at taking complicated processes and distilling them down into simple explanations.
0: So that's really my goal. So if people wanted to use this to add images to their uh, project, would they only need to use your image management service for this? Would they also need their own AWS account? Because you had mentioned a couple weeks ago that it would just be under your AWS account.
1: Yes, so it's one service. I thought about doing it as two services. It would have actually been easier on me to do it as two services, but um, I don't think that's what the customer ultimately wants, especially as we talked about is if I port this into even less developer-friendly you know, friendly terrain and start to try to use it in, no, in a no-code tool or something like that, you've got to extract that away because like the AWS console is a bear, especially if you don't know what you're doing. So yeah, so it's just one service right now.
0: And so you said that for the time being in the Heroku marketplace, it'll be an alpha that can only be free.
1: There's, yeah, I actually don't know all the details yet um, because I wanted to finish it. But it's something like that. Like you put it in and it has to be free for a while. Um, And you have to have, I think it's a lot. I forget. There's a certain number of people you have to get trying it. So I'm going to beg all of my friends who have ever used Heroku. (laughs) If you use Heroku, please, please, please. Please send me an email or a tweet or I will let you know when this is in the app store. Please download it. But hold
0: on. So is there a free tier from AWS for what you are effectively reselling?
1: Yeah. So that's that's the rub. Um, there's not really. Oh, no. I mean, what? so it's not, it sounds bad, but like it's not that bad because I can rate limit everything. And um, so what I did, when my, I got a new AWS account and with new AWS accounts you get, I forget how much, but you get a certain amount of free stuff that first year. So under my new URL, like URL email and stuff, I got the new account. So I get X amount free. But, so this is like a really interesting, this will be a really interesting kind of pain point, right? Is because yes, if it's required to be free, cloud storage generally isn't free. I don't really know how that's all gonna play out. But really, I don't actually expect to get a whole bunch of people that it's gonna become a problem yet. So, I was reading this um, blog post by Amy Hoy, The Fine Art of Flintstoning. I don't know if you've ever heard of it or read it. And she talks about, like, to sometimes you just, she talks about how it took her six years to ship something, which, by the way, makes me feel way better. Um, and she also talks about how there's a point where you just, you just have to ship something, right? So she uses this term Flint stoning and she uses it to mean some stuff you're going to do manually. So she was talking about when they first launched Freckle, like if you wanted your email reset, like you, they had to do that manually. And so there were these certain steps she had to do manually to um, actually ship her product. And that's kind of where I am right now. Like there's a lot I want to do on the AWS side to monitor this and, and you know, Uh, Watch the billing, but I started to get like lost in all of that. And so, at least for the first couple months, like I'm just going to have a simple script that runs independent of the app, or I'll just look at it with my own eyeballs to kind
0: of keep track of where I am. Yeah, I think that kind of custom monitoring and all of that, we were doing that all manually for quite a long time. I I want to say like three plus years. Really? Um, I mean, we had various services that we used, you know, for for things. Yeah. But in terms of having a one central dashboard where we could observe everything, at least you know specifically where we're talking here in terms of server health and those sorts of things. Um, yeah, we we didn't have like a, you know a full dashboard with all of the different metrics on them. I mean, of course, with AWS you want to keep an eye on what you're being charged. Yeah. So yeah. so that's important. Um, I mean, even just manual things in general, like she, you know, she mentions um, uh, changing an email address. I mean, I think for Geocodeo, we we didn't actually add a way to delete your account on your own through the dashboard until like last year or two years ago. And it wasn't because we are trying to be evil, dark pattern people. It was just, we just hadn't designed a flow for it. And it wasn't enough people asking to do that, that they could just email us and we always responded promptly.
1: Yeah, so I'm I'm going to take on. So there there is a certain amount of risk and it's interesting like going into this because I as we talked about last time like I started to there's so many things I can do with this. So I started to aggressively cut features and I'm just basing the feature set on what I personally need right now. Um so I'm aggressively cutting features and this was this this AWS thing was a big one for me because I really wanted to have a a cleaner like interface for myself you know just to manage everything on the AWS side but um, I read that article and I got all inspired and I was like you know what it's done like I can manage that myself at least for the first couple weeks and I mean honestly like I don't anticipate people are not knocking down my door for this product and I'm not saying I don't think it's going to succeed I just don't anticipate I'm going to have a whole lot of people in the beginning so I feel like the first couple months, especially since I'll be using it myself, will be a great time for me to do this stuff on AWS and figure that all out and, um, you know, kind of see how people are using the product. If they're using the product, what features, you know, are important or aren't important. So things like that.
0: So what are those specific thresholds that let you out of alpha and, and allow you to charge for it in the Heroku marketplace? Yeah, I don't know. I, I would be very interested to know what those thresholds are.
1: So that's a good idea. Um, I will have that information for you next week. <laughs> and I will let you know. <laughs> um, so yeah, right now, you know, it's interesting because like, I'm just kind of like riding my high of letting of having this thing working. Um, but like I said, like, I know the real work is now kind of it's a little more the drudgery work, right? Because it's like hooking up, hooking it up, getting it in the marketplace, writing all the it's documentation. It's making it a business. Yes, exactly. It's making it a business. So um,
0: it's interesting that you yeah. describe that as drudgery. Is that bad? Does that bode I poorly didn't say it for was my future? Bad, I just said it was interesting.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, we'll see. Maybe I'll love it. Maybe I'll hate it. I don't know. I Yeah,
0: we'll see. I, something that seems to really drive you in this is the frustration that you feel with facing this problem repeatedly and I think that once you get that groundwork laid, of you get it in the marketplace, you've got some documentation, you've, you've got a little bit of copy around how people can use it, and then you actually start getting people using it. I, I find that such a huge motivator to keep improving something and, and keep going and get you through all of the drudgery is seeing somebody else use something that you made and seeing the impact that it has on their... Work and in their own frustration with it, and when and when they you know express to you how much frustration it's removed for them.
1: Yes, and I think that'll be like my energy cycle. Like building it is a lot of fun, but there's a lot of like lows and highs, in, in that cycle, because there's things you know how to do, things you don't know how to do, um, and I think that the documentation stuff, like that's a little bit of a you know a little bit a little bit boring, um, but important. But I also think like I love people right? And I love talking to people. And I think to your point, like if someone actually, if literally one person besides myself uses it and is like, Hey, this is exactly what I need. This is awesome. That's all I need. Getting to that point where I actually get to talk to people again and everything is mostly in place and I'm just improving. Like that is my goal. My goal right now. That's kind of where I'm trying to get to.
0: We'll get you there. I think you can get there. Yes.
1: Yeah. So another thing I wanted to tell you, um, so I have another great idea and I, um, this is my thing, right? I think I just get a lot of energy from ideas and I have tons of ideas. So as we discuss again, every week, um, my, my focus right now is on the image management stuff, but I have another idea. Um, I'm not quite ready to talk about it yet, but I actually had a person tell me he would pay for it, which is oh. more than I've gotten yeah, how about that? It's more than I've gotten from any, any of my other ideas. So, um, so that's kind of in the back of my mind. Uh, so I'm just trying to like, you know, marinate on that a little bit. But I do have two people who have already agreed to talk with me about this other idea. Um, so I'm going to, get to pro- I'm going to get to practice all of my customer interview skills, hopefully get those scheduled in the next couple weeks.
0: Sounds like you're really on a roll
1: you know, Michelle, I think this whole process is managing your own energy levels. Like I went on vacation and I came back and I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm going to take
0: on the world. <laughs> you know, we always find that like we have our best business conversations when we're on a road trip. Yeah. It's just there's something
1: about not being in, I don't know, not being in your house or like I went on vacation and what I didn't say at the beginning, and this makes me sound like a super nerd, but because there are a lot of demands on my time at home with the kids um, on my vacation, I actually took three days and ditched my family to finish my image (laughs) management service. (laughs) Now, everyone who listens to this podcast knows what a nerd I am, but it was a, but you know, right? Like the kids have been home for six months. It is almost impossible to, to get the kind of deep focus you need. And I am like a deep focus person, like put me in a basement and like, like with no sound, like I'm like, Oh my gosh, that's my like happy place. So, yeah, so I ditched my family for 3 days on vacation. <laughs> and I, it was and I just worked and it was I don't know, it was glorious. It like really made me happy.
0: I I think that's a pretty normal feeling, uh especially especially with side projects, right, where and and if you're not getting a whole ton of uh fulfillment out of your day-to-day job that the side project itself like feels like a vacation from the things you're normally doing because you have you have total flexibility and independence and latitude to do what you want to do which whether you're consulting or, or you're working for a company you're rarely in that scenario and if you genuinely enjoy your work which you definitely do yeah, the side project, even though it's work, it's 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 also a break from work at the same time. It's a very weird thing.
1: Yes, totally agree. Um, and the only other thing I wanted to say on this, me having all these ideas all of a sudden, is I did want to share with with people who are struggling with idea generation, because I know in a lot of the groups I'm in, this is a common problem. I started a habit like two, and I used to never have any ideas I started a habit like two years ago where every morning I would write down two ideas like with my coffee before I turned on my computer and they're so bad. I mean, 99% of them are terrible, but it kind of got my mind engaged in a different way where I just started seeing things more often than than before, like just changing my mindset.
0: Yeah, I think once you start looking at the problems in the world, not as problems, but different opportunities to be solved It's hard to turn your brain off from thinking that way.
1: Yeah. So anyway, that's my very exciting news. I hope next week to have to stay on track
0: and have another great update. So Michelle, what's been on your mind this week? So I was thinking back to some of the episodes we've done so far and you have been so open and vulnerable with us about all of your struggles with launching your new product and the things I have talked about have not exactly been struggles. So <laughs> so I wanted to dial in on something that we do struggle with and that we do talk about that we haven't figured out yet. Oh, okay. What um, What is yeah. this topic? Hiring. Oh, um, I've always
1: wondered about this with you
0: guys. Please tell me more. So it's something that comes up. Um, fairly often actually that other people will ask us about, you know, I feel like there are these ideas that you're not a real company unless you do X, right? Mm -hmm. Like how many of us have heard you're not a real company unless you take funding or you're not a real company unless you have employees. And so this is something that we, we hear fairly often. But honestly, we really like the simplicity of not having any employees, of it just being the two of us. So I know people who
1: run bootstrap businesses of comparable size, and almost all of them have employees.
0: Yeah, I, I think something that's a little um, you know, unique about our business, though maybe not so much for a bootstrapped company, is that since it was a side project for three and a half years, which I, I think actually is a little bit long for a side project. Project to be a side project. We we definitely waited a lot longer um, than I think many people would. Um, like we were well past the replacement rate of our of our salaries, mostly because we were just terrified of paying for our own health insurance. Um, and and so during that time, things that other people may have hired for, like customer support, we found ways to automate them away or handle them with our design, um, you know, so things like resetting passwords or, or canceling plans or, or all sorts of other things. Whenever we had repeated questions, we just designed our service better so that people didn't have to ask us those questions, right? Because no one really wants to talk to customer support, like it means you have a problem. And so we tr- try to pre- preempt all of those things. Um, and And then once we went full time, It became so much easier for us to handle things and to make improvements and and reduce the number of tickets and and all that kind of stuff Um, so that 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 kind of moves off of the radar. Um, Of course, there's many other things you can hire for besides customer support, though. This is interesting to
1: me because I had a friend who listened to our podcast, the episode on um, the HIPAA stuff, and he runs a venture-backed company. And he had like a whole business plan set out for you. He was like, oh my gosh, she's doing it all wrong. She should hire all these salespeople. And like he had you guys like a $500 million company in his head in like 20 minutes. So it was interesting like... You guys haven't hired anyone. Like,
0: you don't even have one salesperson. I mean, tell me more about that decision. Something that's really important to me is incentive design in a company. And I think this is something that can get overlooked. Um, So, for example, when you take funding, you're creating a set of incentives for yourself. You now have uh, investors that you... um, you know, you, you need to impress them and, and meet their expectations, right? You're you, If you have employees, you're giving them shares. And so everyone is having incentives towards specific outcomes. Um, and something that's, that I really treasure um, as being a bootstrap business owner is that we can make decisions that are in the best interest of the customer, that are ethically aligned with what we believe, and that we don't have to chase growth at all costs or we're not... Um, we're not struggling to meet metrics that may be externally imposed on us and instead we have our own metrics and some of those are financial and many of those are not um, and, and and so designing an incentive structure is a really important part of scaling a company. And I don't feel like I have figured out what is an incentive structure that aligns with what I believe in and how I want to run the company and how I would want to run the company in the future that satisfies sort of all all those different concerns I have. You know, I do do a lot of reading on ethical business. Um, Like people may be familiar with the book Conscious Capitalism by John Mackey, written before Whole Foods was acquired by Amazon. Um, There's also um, a lapsed anarchist guide to building a great business run by the people who founded this little deli in Ann Arbor Mission called Zingerman's. That's a, such a fantastic book. Um, and both of those books really talk about this incentive design and, and how um, having goals like, you know, aggressive sales goals or, or, you know, having a huge team and you need to pay their salaries, like that creates incentives. And are they always good? The answer is probably often not. So why is this
1: a touchy subject for you? Do you feel a lot of pressure amongst like your peers
0: to hire, to grow? No, we don't. We don't feel pressure to grow. We certainly have people expect that of us and then they get confused when we tell them that we don't have any growth ambitions. And even though we are growing, I mean, I shared those numbers uh, a couple Mm -hmm. of weeks ago, Um. I think something that we we really enjoy is, yes, it does feel like it's that um, that next step. Right. Sometimes I think about it in terms of, you know, people will often ask couples like when they're going to have their first child or when they're having another child. As if this is like sort of a like normal, non-invasive question you can just ask similarly, you know, how did you you know enjoy the weather today? Right. Pro tip, like don't ask that question. Yeah, just for anyone asking, like, that's not a friendly question. Like, don't ask. Um, I feel like it's kind of a similar vein because people ask, oh, so when are you guys hiring? And you know, you, you don't know what that company's situation is. You don't know what their perspective on things. But quite frankly, I think something that I, I also really treasure about our business is just how simple it is, right? So my husband and I created the business together and it's, it's always funny talking about that with people who don't work with their spouse, because I find there's very polarizing reactions to that. Like, like the the people who don't work with their spouse give me this like deer in the headlights, horrified reaction that's like, oh, my God, like, don't you guys fight all the time? That must be horrible. Like, or, or they're just like, oh, well, how do you like disconnect from work? And like, and, and, and they assume it's terrible. And I'm just kind of like, we wouldn't have done this for six and a half years if it was terrible. And then on the other side are other couples who run companies together. And they're like, isn't it so great? Like, it's just so easy. It's amazing. Um, it's actually, this is one of my favorite things about being at MicroConf last year was meeting other founder couples and us talking together about how like nice it actually was compared to how chaotic people assume it is. Um which is kind of a funny thing, but it's just so simple with the two of us because we work so well together like we met at work professional respect for one another is one of the foundations of our relationship and we just work so well together and it's so easy and yes, we could grow more if we had, you know, people doing marketing or we would grow a lot faster if we had a sales team or um, you know things could run smoother if we if we had engineers but we feel like it runs smoothly enough and we grow enough that we don't have to bring in those other elements but isn't the whole point of building
1: a bootstrap business so you can hire someone and only work 4 hours a week like 4 hour work week michelle i've never read a tim ferriss
0: book really <laughs> Yeah, I don't know if I'm I'm probably the only one. Um no, I don't see I don't even know if that's the goal, right? Because I enjoy what we do and I think this also confuses people. I think a lot of what I do confuses people. Um because we we like serving the customers that we do and 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 helping them and and, and doing what we do and you know, I'll, I'll have people ask me, "Oh, like, are you trying to get acquired?" Like, you know, what? What if I gave you? You know, I, I was giving a presentation um to some business students uh probably about a year year and a half ago, and and I was talking about how we don't have any plans to get acquired, and actually how we just offhandly reject offers to to get funded or or get acquired because we're just not interested in it, and and they and they didn't believe me, and they're like, well, "What if I gave you?" $10 million, $100 million. And I'm like, well, what would I do with that? Like, I would just have to go figure out another company to start. And I already have one that works. And and I don't necessarily aspire to work four hours a week. Like, I enjoy working. And, and maybe that is uh, confusing to some people. I can certainly understand how that would be. But I, I, I don't know. It just seems like you guys work a lot. And I know you love to
1: work, but you do work a lot. So it seems like if you could find the right person to bring on board, it would take some of the, you know, the pressure off of the two of you and give you a little more breathing room.
0: That's something we've thought about. You know, I mean, it's uh, we had someone actually reach out to us this summer um, to be an intern and she seemed so awesome and she actually lived nearby so we could have even had sort of over the fence meetings with her <laughs> you know we actually sort of got like we you know we actually took it seriously and we even looked into you know how much we would need to increase our workers comp by and stuff like that if if we took on a part-time employee um, you know i i mean it's sort of as an aside i think it's the highest compliment you can pay a business owner to tell them that you want to work for them and work for their company like it just um it's incredibly moving every time um you know, I consider that a huge responsibility. Um, I know there are a lot of companies that, you know, they hire people and they, they'll lay them off or, you know, they, 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 they don't feel like they have a responsibility to the employees. They feel the employees have a responsibility to them. And I feel very strongly that it goes both ways. And if we were to hire someone, I would not only want to make sure that we had a job for them six months or a year from now, but like five years from now, 10 years from now, because I feel like you're making a commitment to them And their family that there is going to be something for them there's going to be a role for them that they're going to be able to move up in that role which is another thing I have questions about because it's the two of us running the company and so there's a set ceiling for someone um, going going into that role And, and so it's almost like you know how good of an experience would that be really if they knew that they could never move up like that that would be a very frustrating scenario for them and and then there's the other element of okay you know the, the the kind of person we would need to bring on would need to be very highly skilled, um, and so we're probably looking at least a hundred, hundred and fifty thousand a year, including benefits. And then how would going back to incentives? How would that distort my own incentives? Would I feel like we need to grow more aggressively? Would I feel like we need to change our tactics? I'm really proud of the fact that we don't have an aggressive sales team but if we had a staff would I feel backed into a corner and like we needed to you know to to do things and 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 I and I feel very strongly um that we should run the company in a way that is in the best interest of the customers and and I question whether I would be able to do that if I had salary pressures on me
1: yeah that makes sense I tried to hire someone maybe two years ago. But all of the things you just said, that's the reason I never built a consultancy because hiring, trying to hire someone was incredibly painful, like especially engineers trying to vet engineers. And then I, I felt the same way, like I've, you know, I've had a pretty good stream of income, but if you're responsible for someone else's livelihood, like it kind of changes the whole game um, when you look at when you validate contracts and you try to figure out what kind of business you're going to take because you are now responsible for someone else. And um, that is a huge responsibility. So I I definitely see where you're coming from. But I think there's a lot of opportunity for you guys. You could have an incubator. You could have like a cool internship program. I mean, there's so many people trying to start businesses in this space. I feel like there are. Uh, you might find other ways if you had more time. You might be surprised. You would find other really cool ways to use your time.
0: So I'm actually participating in something soon that, that relates to this because I do love mentoring people and and helping other business owners, and I feel very very strongly that I have a responsibility to help other business owners try to do what we um, have done. Um, and so I'm actually going to be a. Leading a cohort group with Founder Summit um, later this fall. Um, this is through Earnest Capital, and and I love doing that. Um, maybe it's because I get all of that the, the the fun part of having employees and and helping helping them grow and, and nurturing them without all of those pressures of being responsible for their family's livelihood. Awesome, but yeah, I, you know we we haven't ruled it out. I imagine that we will take. Baby steps in the future, like hiring consultants. Like we've never even hired a freelance designer for anything. I mean, we have like we have really never hired for anything. Um, and and I, I imagine we will at some point. Um, but I want to share that as a a genuine struggle that we have, something that we we haven't figured out in the business. Less it less it sound like we have figured everything out, <laughs> which we certainly haven't. It sounds like you're pretty happy with where you are right now
1: and the choices you've made so far regarding hiring.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think the the idea is sort of we want to be able to keep doing what we're doing for as long as we can. And we, we know that's going to change in the future. But where things have been for the last, you know, the last three years is, oh, my gosh, because my full time anniversary is coming up in October. Um, we Yeah we enjoy it. It's, it's simple. Awesome.
1: Well, that's going to wrap us up for today. Um, you can find us on Twitter at software and we'd love to hear any feedback you have about this week's episode until next week. Huge. Thanks to all of our listeners who've become software socialites and support our show. Chris from chipper CI, the daringly handsome Kevin Griffin and Mike from gently used domains who has a nice personality. Dave from recut. Max of online or not. Stefan from Talk to Stefan. Brendan Andrade of Bright Bits. Team Tuple, Alex Hillman from the Tiny MBA. Rami from Hovercode and Rocket Gems. Jane and Benedict from Userlist. Kendall Morgan. Ruben Gomez of Signwell. Corey Haynes of Swipewell. Mike Wade of Crowd Sentry. Nate Ritter of Roomsteals. Anna Mast of Subscribe Sense. Jeff Roberts from Outsetta, Justin Jackson, Mega Maker. Jack Ellis and Paul Jarvis from Fathom Analytics. Matthew from Appointment Reminder, Andrew Culver at Bullet Train, John Coster, Alex of Corso Systems, Richard from Stunning, Josh the Annoyingly Pragmatic Founder, Ben from Consent Kit, John from Credo and Editor Ninja, Cam Sloan, Michael Copper of NUSI Proposals, Chris from URL Box, Callie of Toslet, Greg Park from Trait Lab, Adam from Rails Autoscale, Lana and Alex from Recapsi, Joe Mazzalotti of RailsDevs.com, Proud Mama from Applenet LLC. Anna from Cradle. Monsef from Ruby on Mac. Steve of Be Inclusive. Simon Bennett of Snapshooter Backups. Josh Smith of Keyhero.io. Jesper Christensen of Form Backend. Matthew of Work Cited. Chris of JetBoost.io. Daryl Shannon of Docomatic. Larabels, a community for Larabelle developers underrepresented due to their gender. Brendan from Feederloop. Pascal from Sharpen.page. Lynn Romick from Conbini, Arvid Kahl, James Sowers from Castaway.fm, Jessica Malnick, Damian Moore of Audio Audit Podcast Checker, Eldon from Nodal Studios, Mitchell Davis from RecruitKit.